We thought we were done. We thought we were finished. We thought we would never talk about a movie minute by minute again. But we were wrong. Join us as we get to know the cast next door. Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of The Cast Next Door. I'm your host this time around, Josh. Darren is busy hosting on the regular episodes that come out during the week, so he asked me to host the bonus episodes, and I, for whatever reason, said I would. So here I am. And with me today is Lan, who you last heard on episode 40, talking about minute 39. Hey, how are you? Hey, I'm good. All right, great. So... The last time that listeners probably heard from you, you were discussing Claire getting some mysterious flowers from uh, <laughs> someone that she assumed was her ex-husband, <laughs> but in fact turned out to be Noah, the titular boy next door. So is there anything that you would like to add about that minute that maybe you didn't get to cover uh, earlier with Darren? Um, I probably complained enough about Vicky. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I had mentioned just like how much Vicky is like against her getting back and like it's understandable when, you know, someone someone is cheated on that you know, you want to completely disregard them for forever and you want to take your friend's side, but like Vicky takes it to kind of like a Kind of a weirdo extreme. Yeah, it does seem just, very. It does seem very personal to Vicky. Yeah, it really does, and I, I, she probably just never liked Garrett to begin with, and would be glad to be rid of him. I guess that's probably that's probably the you're probably right about that. Like I, I would see it as a scenario where something that that Garrett said at some point while he and Claire were together rubbed Vicky the wrong way, and so she's always had this weird vendetta against him and then once right. it came out that he cheated on claire she was like oh i knew that guy was a bad dude and now claire is possibly considering getting back together with him and vicky had just gotten claire on her side and so now she's like oh she's being pulled away from me again i have to you know put myself into this scenario and this situation and try to keep them from getting back together, which is just a terrible thing for a, a supposed friend to do. Right. And she probably just also likes uh, playing matchmaker and having someone to go on double dates with. Yeah, so, I, I, I could see that. I mean, but although, as we've seen earlier in the movie, <laughs> she's not very good at picking no, potential suitors uh, for Claire. My my original minutes uh, were all the date so oh so you got to see that uh, firsthand i am i am i am intimately familiar with how terrible she is at doing that too (laughs) (laughs) so all right so that that brings that brings us to this point where let's just talk about your impressions of the movie in general sort of what you thought the first time you watched it what stood out to you what was good what was bad what do you think the movie could have done better so just have at it Uh, it's just you know i watched it and i'm watching it and it's going along and it's chugging along and it's it's just kind of all very predictable and average in every way and, and i'm just sitting here like why why this movie why did we pick this movie and then i got to the last 15 minutes and then i said now i know why we picked this movie because the last 15 minutes 
totally make up for uh, the kind of uh, averageness of the rest of the movies. It just goes right off the rails and into crazy town. Yeah, there, there's definitely a point somewhere in this movie where there's like a switch that's flipped and it just goes from being kind of a standard sort of, I've been calling it a sexy thriller, to yeah. being this really crazy, bizarre thing. And I'm not really sure what what to attribute to that. Like, there, there are some weird things that happen throughout this movie, and I've talked about them before, but the the way that Claire's character is kind of broken down throughout the movie where she sort of starts and and I I'm sure that you you guys saw this as well during the early minutes when she's at the this really terrible blind date but she has she's a self-possessed woman she seems very strong mm-hmm. when that guy starts being a jerk she gets up and leaves and you're like okay this lady is in control of who she wants to be she's not going to spend time with a jerk if she doesn't want to. And for whatever reason, somewhere throughout the movie, they sort of lose that aspect of her character because they need her to play the typical the damsel. damsel in distress or the typical yeah. sort of woman against this bad man. And it, it yeah. was kind of weird to me. Like, I, I wonder what the movie would have been like if they had been able to maintain that aspect of her character throughout the film where she is this really strong, self-possessed character throughout and it doesn't go away just because she you know because the script needs her to be that way yeah she just um it does it's not too consistent in that way or you think that she would put up uh i don't know punch him in the mouth at some point in time early on instead of just uh pushing him away or or pleading him with him to stop or trying to talk to him while he's at school and not being able to do much of anything or yeah you know. I, I think that would have been really interesting to see especially after their their uh initial sex scene they're together he's trying to i guess be nice to her the next morning she's trying to leave and get out of there and he sort of freaks out you know and punches the wall and at that moment it would have been really good to see her go hey what are you doing i don't need any of this but she sort of just remains quiet and and mm-hmm. doesn't really do anything about that. But if she had kept that same sort of characteristic that she showed at the er, earlier in the movie, if she had kept that there and she was able to basically call him out on acting like an asshole, that would have been a really interesting twist to this fairly, like as you said, fairly cliche, fairly sort of typical movie of this type. I mean, there were probably... Uh, you know, tens of, if not hundreds, of movies of this type released, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Oh, yeah. Probably some of them direct-to-video, you know, uh, you know that played late night on Cinemax and maybe had slightly more nudity than this one. But it feels like it's it's wanting to be something more than it is, and it never quite achieves those, those goals. It, it seems very weird to me. It just kind of coasts along until until the up until the end. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it feels like the. I mean, one. I'm sure that plenty has been said already about uh, the director Rob Cohen and, and how his movies don't really have a unique or specific look to them. It's kind of hard yeah. to look at a Rob Cohen movie and go, "Oh, this is a Rob Cohen movie." He doesn't really right. have a, a distinctive directorial style. 
And and that sort of I think translates to how the actors perform throughout the movie. I mean, in one of my earlier minutes with Shannon and Tim, we sort of talked about Ryan Guzman who plays Noah and sort of how he seems to be on this sort of different level than everybody else. He's playing it a little bit maybe a little bit more tongue in cheek or a little bit crazier than everybody else. And, right, yeah. and no one else is kind of rising to that level. And it feels like maybe if there was a better director at the helm or they had a stronger script that everybody could play this as kind of crazy as they seem to want it to be and it, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't really ever achieve the heights that I think it could maybe I was thinking that too like that if it could have maintained the level that it reaches towards the end of the movie mm-hmm. that if it you know if it could have maintained that throughout the entire thing then it would be a fun ride from beginning to end but unfortunately it just kind of coasts along and then jumps off the rails at the last 15 minutes there <laughs> yeah well I mean well, since you brought up uh, beginning to end we can we can kind of jump back to the beginning and and I've mentioned this before in other episodes but the 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 craziest thing to me was that the beginning of the movie is so info dump heavy like they are throwing so much information at you so quickly and it's kind of hard to get your bearings like you are thrust into this world and you're never given even a couple of minutes to sort of know who these characters are and they're they're very much most of the people in this movie most of the characters in this movie are very much sort of one note cardboard characters that we have seen in other movies and so therefore we sort of know who they are simply because we've seen other movies mm-hmm. and i mean one that's sort of lazy writing but but it it is kind of weird how at the beginning we're given all of this information without knowing who these people are what their scenario is and expected to be able to sort of follow that throughout the rest of the film and it just seems weird to me that if they had maybe a little bit more time not that i'm encouraging this movie to be longer but if they had more time or if they had a stronger script or if things were restructured, then maybe you might care about some of the characters a little bit more. Our backstories in, uh, in, in flashbacks in the very beginning and just in Claire's own thoughts. And uh, it doesn't really give you a whole lot to go with. It's just like a couple of statements here and there, like Garrett pleading for, for an apology and things like that. And it just... It doesn't really give you much to go on. No, it really doesn't. I, I would, I would love to see what this this movie would have been like with a different director, with a different script, or, or kind of just not as I guess sort of boilerplate as it is. I think that there is an interesting story here. I, I think that you could potentially wring some interesting pathos out of these characters if it was written better. I would I would be interested to see that because there I think there's something there about a woman who is worried about potentially going through a divorce, how that's going to affect her son, how she's attracted to a another you know another person who's moved into the neighborhood who happens to be friends with her son and while he is legal there's still some weird attraction there and something happens and then that you could really bring a very interesting dramatic premise out of that, but it, <laughs> this script is obviously not interested in those things. It's not interested in dealing with the psychological damage that occurs <laughs> from from their their uh, their union, and it's just more about well, now they've had sex, so now this guy has to turn into a crazy person, and now we have to start getting 
uh, little bits and pieces about him that, oh, he's really a bad guy and, uh, you know, oh, she, she she's going to have to basically fight him at the end. I mean, it's kind of like, I, I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen this movie, but it's, you know, very much follows sort of a sleeping with the enemy type template, you know, of, of heroine has to basically have a showdown with this bad guy at the end of the movie. And I don't know if it's totally successful at that. Yeah, it just, you know, you can see it coming and you know, you know, it's going to happen. But I at least think that this movie, I didn't expect it to be, you know, go quite as it did at the very end. So at least uh, there was some surprise there. And I think that's why I say like, I, you know, the, when, when I hit the end of it, I was like, oh, yeah, I can see why we would want to go over this. Yeah. Uh, but up until that point, you know, I think once you've watched the movie and you know it's coming, it's a little bit different. You look at things differently. But uh, the first time through, I was just kind of like, oh, gosh, this is a drag. <laughs> but now, now that I've seen it, like I went back and watched it again today and and I was like, well, now that I know that it's coming, it's a little different. And I looked at things differently. Uh, and there are some clues like here dropped here and there and and that I just kind of glossed over the first time because everything is just kind of kind of happening. Well, speaking of the ending, uh, we can we can kind of talk about that. So obviously the ending, there's a lot of mayhem that occurs <laughs> and there's a pretty violent altercation between uh, Claire and Noah and she's trying to save her son. And obviously at the end of the film, there is um, uh, Noah gets his eye poked out. <laughs> yeah, and gets very, very gruesome all of a sudden for a movie that up until this point was was like really not having any of that. We we see what happened with Vicky and stuff like that, but even then we don't you know see see it like we only see what happens afterwards. But then we just watch get camera gets right up in there while she <laughs> she's got her thumb going. Yeah, the 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 end of the film definitely ups the ante when it comes to gra- graphic violence. <laughs> like they they are they're sort of slowly building. I think throughout throughout the movie like there there's very interesting there's very interesting sort of milestones that the movie hits so we get to the sex scene which while sort of hot and heavy isn't that graphic and and then later on we see a sex scene between Noah and and the girl at the hardware store oh, where right. there is yeah. nudity so it's like they didn't give us the nudity right away but they give it to us later with a sort of ancillary character yeah and then we have a, a somewhat violent beating in a in a school at some point throughout you know halfway through the movie but it's not i mean it's it's pretty brutal but it's not as brutal as what we then get a little no, bit later no we don't see any blood or anything like that i don't and, think and even then, and then about halfway through the movie there's increase in profanity i mean there's a point where you know noah shows up and calls you know claire a whore which it just kind of comes out of nowhere because that sort of language hasn't been used in the first half of the movie. And so there's like these weird little like mile markers throughout the film where you're like, okay, now it's getting crazier and now it's getting even crazier. And it's just like all building to the end where there's this knockdown drag out fight and <laughs> very slow boil. Yeah, exactly. but it gets there. <laughs> exactly. So speaking of the end, obviously with, with Noah being uh, injured, you know, they, as Darren has talked about in some of his, his, um, bonus episodes, they don't really leave it open for a potential sequel. So let's talk about what a sequel could be for, for The Boy Next Door. What <laughs> happens in The Boy Next Door Part Two? Is it a completely different story, much like Wild Things or, uh, Poison Ivy or those types of sort of sexy thrillers? Or does it pick up where, uh, the boy next door left off. What What do you think would happen? 
Well, I think I think that we'd have to have like I don't know. Maybe maybe we can change genre, genres and uh, and have like maybe uh, Revenge of Zombie Noah crawl right, out from uh, crawl out from uh, the barn there and come back and maybe this time we can actually get the Claire that we wanted. We can get that strong Claire who's gonna who's gonna be the one to take charge of this situation and uh, fight him off. So essentially, in in your idea of the Boy Next Door two, Claire is. Ellen Ripley from Aliens. She's already dealt oh, with this once better, before. Yeah. <laughs> She's already had this <laughs> scenario happen once before. She knows exactly what has to happen the second time. But for whatever reason, Noah is extra strong. And <laughs> and she has a little bit harder time with it. But she's not timid. And she's not going to back down. So yeah, that that is the Claire Peterson that we need in the yes. boy next door too. Um, I think I think in one of uh, Darren's other bonus episodes, he mentioned that perhaps Noah would come back with an eye patch or something after <laughs> after having his eye gouged out in the at the end of the first movie. And I, I would be okay with that. I think that could be really interesting. Or take on sort of a, a Halloween or a Friday the Thirteenth mode where we don't really know. What's going on? Or maybe, maybe even it's a it's a copycat killer. It's not. <laughs> I, I've gone into completely slasher territory now, but uh, <laughs> but you know maybe Noah. Maybe it's like Noah's cousin or his brother or or <laughs> or his uncle who is somehow still alive <laughs> and is getting revenge on Claire for for killing his caretaker. Um, it depends on how crazy you want to get. Uncle Bob's had a had a bone marrow transplant with <laughs> that of uh, of a serial killer, and now it's like <laughs> flowing through his veins, and he can't help himself. Oh, that's what happens. So he okay. So here we go. Oh, he gets it from Noah yeah. because now Noah's they yeah. preserve Noah's there body. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> they preserve Noah's body, and they inject his bone marrow into Uncle Bob because he needs a transplant, and the obviously perfect donor match because they're related. And uh, and that causes, while he's sleeping, that causes him to sleepwalk and try to find Claire Peterson. So he's like constantly waking up, like further and further along uh, the street. He doesn't understand what's going on. Noah's personality takes over. <laughs> and for the first half of the movie, we stay specifically with Uncle Bob as he tries to figure out what's happening. And then we, <laughs> and then we realize what this movie is, and then we cut to Claire Peterson, who's maybe like holed up in a cabin in the woods somewhere, and she's like, she knows that Noah's coming for her, that he's not completely dead, and she's been training this whole time, and so, and so at the end of the Boy Next Door two, Jennifer Lopez beats up an eighty year old man. <laughs> <laughs> I want this movie. Yeah, I'm good with this sequel. Totally. I would I would I would watch that. That would that would lend itself, I think, to a minute by minute <laughs> breakdown <laughs> podcast. Here's what we'll do. We'll write that movie and then we'll make the podcast anyway and pretend that it was made and just uh go along with it anyway. I'll write this movie. Well speaking of that, I wonder I wonder if there are people like I wonder if there are screenwriters out there or or rather aspiring screenwriters who you know, perhaps saw the boy next door and and thought the same thing. They were like, why why was there not a fun sort of cliffhanger ending there? Why did we not get a another scare of Noah being gone or Noah still being alive as he's carted into the the ambulance or something like that? Why did we not get that extra little jump scare, that extra little fun moment for the audience? And so then they sat down and they started writing <laughs> their spec script for the boy next door too. 
and sent it in to Blumhouse or whatever company owns Universal, whatever company owns the rights to this movie and tried to get it made. Like I would, I would love that. Honestly, I would, I think that would be really awesome if, if someone was so taken with this movie and was so disappointed by the letdown of a, of a jump scare ending that they were like, Oh, I have to, I have to finish this story on my own. I have to make it my own. And then they need to do it so that we can go through it minute by minute. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Definitely. I think maybe let Rob Cohen sit this one out and get some low budget. We'll get somebody else. Yeah, get some low budget direct-to-video guy who can come in and shoot this movie in like five days and and it'll you know air on sci-fi or or lifetime movie channel or something <laughs> in like 6 months <laughs> i would totally be on board let's call the asylum let's get this oh, we'll get oh, this underway totally you know honestly <laughs> i'm surprised and there may be one that i don't even know about I, I i that would be something worth looking up if if there was an asylum mockbuster version of the boy next door because jennifer lopez is still a, a box office draw and yeah and this movie did pretty well for itself yeah and it and and, it, and exactly, it did pretty well in in the box office. It made you know a lot of money. So I'd be interested to see if Asylum did do a a mockbuster version of this. I mean, I'm sure that there are probably a dozen movies out there that are very similar to this one. But you know, when they're not busy making shark attack movies, uh, I would be interested to see <laughs> if they did a, a ripoff version of this movie because I, I I bet it would be as entertaining, if not more so, than than the actual version. <laughs> we got and uh if if they haven't then we've got scripts to write and send to them <laughs> exactly we could do a whole series of of uh boy next door sequels and spinoffs and you know maybe the third film is is claire's son and uh trying to to shake off uh, uncle bob you know maybe uncle bob just spins off into his own series of films where he solves mysteries or something um <laughs> you know i mean i would be perfectly fine with that or vicky uh you know has to leave uh, her current school just because she didn't do more about noah putting that kid in a coma and so she's fired and has to go work at another school and we see her clean up an inner city school <laughs> or something <laughs> very much like the substitute or the principal or something like one of those movies like dangerous minds yeah sort of. <laughs> exactly she basically <laughs> is in an asylum version of dangerous minds <laughs> that would be amazing um so uh one thing i'm curious about because I, I really like hearing people's stories if you don't mind indulging me a little bit is you were on a talking cast for a little bit right i was okay so was that your first podcast experience it was all right so talk to me a little bit about that because i'm always interested in in hearing people's first experiences with the podcasting world i i really enjoyed it uh i had watched that movie initially with my friends one night uh, after some drinks and we were just like half paying attention to it but it, you know it got a lot of laughs and a lot of groans and lost a lot of attention during prolonged driving scenes but uh when i heard that we were going to do a podcast for it uh, i was like i have no idea what i can contribute to this but i gotta figure out what i need to contribute to this because i want in and uh you know, at first I didn't really like the movie, but I think I ended up watching it so many times because I think I was on like five episodes that were very spread apart. So I had to keep rewatching it to to write notes and and make observations and things that uh, I ended up. It's gone from being a bad bad movie to a good bad movie in my mind. I just might have some kind of Stockholm syndrome with it, but uh, now I'm I'm quite taken with it. It's got a special place in my heart. <laughs> so I, maybe I don't know if I should be thanking the podcast for for doing that to me or not, but. I'm glad I did it. It was a lot of fun. 
Yeah, definitely. So how does how does being on uh, a talking cast compare to the cast next door? Well, I think they're they're I'm having both uh, fun with both of them. It was uh, different this time because we did four episodes in a row with the same folks, which was different than what we did back with a talking cast. So it was uh, it was like, oh man, I hope you know I get along with the folks that I'm I've been assigned to, to talk with, and that I can come up with things to talk with for about uh, four minutes straight. And so it was a little more, I think, I was a little more scared about what I was going to say and what what I could do. But uh, I think it turned out well. I had fun for me too. A talking cast was sort of the first. Uh, the first podcast I'd been on and now I've hosted I hosted a bunch of episodes of that show I've hosted several episodes of this show I've been on other people's podcasts and so it's kind of really blossomed out into this whole new world that I wasn't involved in beforehand so I owe a lot to that show and to this one and I think it's just awesome that uh, Darren and others have been able to organize this and get everyone together to talk about these kind of very different but eh, crazy, equally crazy movies in their own way. What would you hope uh, the type of movie we do next time is? Oh, like what kind of genre? Yeah, or what, 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 kind kind of, of... what kind of film would you like to see us break down minute by minute next time? Oh, well, I guess we did sort of like a family comedy and now we're doing a, a thriller. Sexy thriller. Um, a sexy thriller. <laughs> Maybe we could do an action movie next. Oh, that would be really interesting. I would like to do that because I do love action movies, so... The other thing uh, that I think actually we can, might be able to do too, uh, combine these two, is that I also really love Bollywood movies. Oh, nice. So like a nice Bollywood action movie um, would be good. The only problem I can foresee with that is that I don't think I've seen a Bollywood movie that's under two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> we would be we would have to spend like three years working working on one one Bollywood movie. That would be a long season for sure. It would. Uh, no, I like that idea. I mean, I think that the beauty of of this this format is if you pick the right movie, you you really can have a lot of fun with it throughout the the ninety or or hundred uh, episodes that it takes to cover the entire film, and and it can go anywhere. It doesn't have to stay in the same genre that you were in, and you can kind of branch out and and cover new things and and. I think it's I think it's really cool how we've been able to jump from a very low budget, very underknown film like A Talking Cat and jump into something that is big budget that has people that it has actors in it that people actually know like Jennifer Lopez and do something like this and it still works. It still kind of carries over and I I don't know if that's just because the movie does as we've talked about get pretty crazy. Uh, by the end and and it does have moments of insanity throughout or, or what but I, I think it's really interesting to see how the format does sort of transfer along genre lines and you're not stuck just doing talking animal family movies you can kind of branch out and do new and unique things so i, I think your idea of of an action movie would be really interesting and i would be i would be down for for doing that for sure i think that could be pretty cool I'll have to come up with some ideas and, and write them down, keep them in mind for uh, whenever we wrap up this project. Yeah, definitely. So is there anything else you'd like to talk about uh, regarding the Boy Next Door or anything else? Well, I want to say that I hope I never have to watch this movie again, but I know that I'll probably be in minutes in the future, so I probably will be watching it again. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Lan, for joining me today. I really appreciate uh, you talking with me on this bonus episode of The Cast Next Door. Thank you very much for having me. All right, excellent. And thank you out there to all of you for listening. And we will see you next time on The Cast Next Door, where we love your mother's cookies. Bye, guys. Bye. 
this is a first edition?